uh, and it comes from the big book. And we're going to look at page 64 today, Paul. It would be the second paragraph. We did exactly the same thing, page 64. We did exactly the same thing with our lives. We took stock, honestly. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup, which caused our failure. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us, we considered its common manifestations. Resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it stem all forms of spiritual disease. For we have been not only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. When, we, when the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. In dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. We listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. We asked ourselves why we were angry. In most cases, it was found that our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our ambitions, our personal relationships, including sex, were hurt or threatened. So we were sore. We were burned up. All right, Paul, let's get us started. Thanks, Mike. Uh, welcome, everybody. If there's anyone new here, this isn't an AA meeting. It's just uh, a discussion about the AA principles and hopefully uh, a presentation of a, a different understanding about the exact nature of the wrong. Now, And it's fundamental. It doesn't exclude the other understanding. It's just uh, maybe it'll work better for you. And that understanding is the contrast is drawn in the book. So the, one of the statements is we manufacture our own misery. What we're saying is we don't manufacture our own misery. Misery is manufactured, but not by us. Yeah, uh, we are the problem. I don't. We're not saying that here. Uh, do an inventory on your defects and your this and that. We're not saying that here. That's said in the book already. We're bringing a different understanding to maybe see that which that which has defeated us is this idea of self. Hold on a second. Cat wants out. There you go. go. Yeah. And you, we read it just there, page 64. The whole premise we're speaking of is being convinced self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. So there's a difference between us and self. I do not believe us is self. I think self is a singularity. It's an activity, like someone was saying earlier. Selfing really describes it better. And uh, that activity is shared by many of us, yeah? And that activity of selfing has dominated us to the point we sought relief no matter what. Yeah, even though we knew better, it didn't work. Even though we, uh, we were willing to pay any consequence tomorrow not to feel uncomfortable now. 
it just got to such an extreme level that what usually would keep us from the hot flame wasn't working. We just kept on being drawn to feeding this thing with alcohol and drugs. We thought we were putting out a fire, but it was really gas for the fire. And then we got, you know, completely defeated by it to the point where we were ending up in places we never intended to go, jails, institutions, and maybe death. So, uh, you know, it says, uh, you know, didn't we set the ball rolling? I don't believe we set the ball rolling. I believe this, this selfing has set the ball rolling. Yeah. And uh, we're not trying to take, uh, to change the other understanding. We're just adding on to it because maybe over time, after you've looked at your role in things, maybe you've seen something else's role in things. Yes. And so maybe your understanding can grow to move away from you're the one who did everything to seeing that which led you to do that. Yeah. They're different. You're the one who did everything and that which led us to do it is completely different. Now, it has nothing to do with differentiating the steps or anything else, service, concepts, traditions, none of that. It's just at the primary point where we all start from, which is perhaps there's a better way, trusting something, you know, trusting the infinite rather than finite self. It's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the spot before the branch of the road, yeah, is that. So, uh, we're here just to offer that as a possibility. Maybe you could do a five minute inventory calling resentments yours and then just calling resentments resentments and see how it feels. Yeah. See if there's a lightness that comes from seeing it as a resentment that's not available when you keep calling it your resentment. Yeah. Maybe that will trigger some something and then, for, you know, follow that crumb down that path and see maybe the thoughts aren't yours. Not chanting the thoughts aren't yours, but having a sense feeling that they're not yours, yeah? A recognition based on not a, a mental concept, but on a certain sense of, yeah, how could these be my thoughts if all these people have them? I mean, obviously, there's something going on there that I come up with a sense of incredible terminal uniqueness when I'm just a common run of the mill alcoholic, seemingly. Yeah. What the hell does that? So uh, I think it's 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 like it's disguise or it's masking or like the the octopus puts out the ink, you know, it's constantly, constantly keeping us in the dark because we're the host that it's living off of really. Yeah. I mean, they have those state, those uh, examples in nature where uh, there's a parasite in something and that parasite like candida, candida is something that grows in a lot of people. Yes. And that candida has a desire. And that desire is to eat like flowery, sugary shit, yeah, because it breaks it down and the candida grows. So therefore, it finds itself in a belly of a human being and, you know, it can't call out 
to the bakery. Yeah, it doesn't have a phone or shit. And it, but it does, it can actually use the host to get what it wants. Yeah, so now it directs the host in a weird way. It would be great to have an, uh, you know, a triple chocolate icing coffee cake from Entenmann's. And so you're driven to get that flowery thing. You eat it, the candida is a success. And then there's an identity that grows as you're a lover of triple chocolate coffee cake. <laughs> yeah. And that you're starting to wear Entenmann t-shirts and shit. And the head identifies as the car- as the courier of the candida. You know what I mean? We're like, yeah, I love, I'm a, I've had every kind of coffee cake in New York. You know what I mean? You write little blogs about it and it's all being driven by a candida in you. <laughs> this is, yeah, I mean, it would be all right and fun, but where did, it took us to absurd lengths, didn't it? And we let, and it left us high and dry. Have you ever seen a friend of yours that got into crystal meth? They've turned into something else completely. Their eyes are rabid and it's just incredible. There isn't any solid, long lasting, independent thing. Yeah, if you're taken over, you start looking at like someone who's been taken over, just like, I used to do a lot of coke, so I could recognize someone else who did coke, like from across of the bar. I could look like if I had a mile sight, I could probably see them, <laughs> yeah, because I could recognize it. Yet all the while, I'm identified as that. Yes, this is the bondage of self. Yeah. So this point is, I don't believe we manufacture our own misery. I don't. I don't think we manufacture our own joy. I don't think we manufacture hate. I don't think we manufacture love. I think we can manufacture a giant spectrum of stuff, but it's based on what's running us. Yeah. So we have the example of of having our factory run by alcoholism. So it manufactures the same products that your factory run by alcoholism does, yes? Now the factory could produce a lot of goods, but it keeps producing the same old, same old goods, not because of the factory, but what's running it, yeah? That understanding works for me. The other understanding doesn't. The other understanding is I'm still, I'm still laden with re- with guilt and shame based on all this shit that I did while under the influence that I never chose to do. Yeah. And there's no way out of it because there's always going to be the sense I was the doer of any of all that. Yeah. And then you sort of live out a, a like a mental prison sentence. Yeah. So sometimes you'll tr- you'll do tons of service and shit not in the spirit of service, but to try to erase your past criminal record. Yeah. So you'll do a dualistic move. You're going to be a perfect St. Francis because you were a motherfucker before. That's the bondage of self and duality. You're bound by this. I have to be a good person like you were bound by thinking you were a bad person. 
That's slavery. Yes. This is about freedom, isn't it? Please relieve us of the bondage of self. The bondage of self, a lot of times it walks around as an identity, yeah? Like you've, you're identified with the Golden State Warriors, yeah? So if they lose, you're like, it's like you lost your fucking dog or someone in your family died. And it's, they, have, they don't know who the hell you are, the Golden State Warriors, yeah? I remember I was at a football game years ago for the San Francisco 49ers, and I'm from New York. So I had, for some reason, I had a, a New York something on it, right? So now everyone in the area was yelling at me, and they were going, we're beating your ass. And I'm saying, wait a minute, who's the we? <laughs> You're not beating. I'm not the guy on the football field getting beaten up by the other guy in the football field. Yeah. See, the identity is amazing. And we'll fucking go to war based on a false identity. Yeah. We see it now in this world. People are identifying it being in different camps and fucking hating the other camp. It's like Texas against Oklahoma all day. Yeah. <laughs> Just no one on Texas can do any wrong, and it's all Oklahoma's fault. And it goes back and forth. This is all mental identity, yeah? Just like I was identified as a drug user. And in the drug user world, I thought I was pretty up on the high pecking order. I shot Coke. People who snorted Coke, I looked down upon. I did. I said, Fox, you're wasting it. I thought I was on the top of the pyramid of a strange mental hierarchy. You know what I mean? <laughs> when I got arrested, I wasn't treated any different, but I thought I should be. <laughs> this is insane. Where does this come from? Where the problem resides? Where is that? The mind, the mental activity. Yep. So, yes, in the beginning, you go into AA because you've been trying to shirk responsibility. And then you say, yes, I take responsibility for all this shit. But I hope as you grow in AA, it grows to another point where maybe the responsibility turns into accountability, which is quite different. Yeah, it's a different feeling. Accountability doesn't give a large amount of room for guilt and shame. Yeah, it's sort of like, a business thing, you've dealt with the accounts and it's over. I'm not ruminating for 30 years about it, yes? So this way, if I didn't do this shit, just like I used to say with the dog, you know, fuck, the dog shits on the neighbor's lawn, the neighbor gets pissed off at me, calls me up, I go there because it's quote unquote my dog, I clean the shit up, I make an amends to the dude, and I say, hey, I'm not gonna walk the dog this way anymore. Yeah, that's it. But now I don't think I took a shit on the lawn. Yeah, I don't go, why did I take that shit? You know, I don't go over it, over and over it. Why didn't I go down Maple Street? I didn't, was the dog, yeah? <laughs> If the sense of my is there, it's go, it can go, it goes into a file and you can go, the head can go back to it at any time and ruminate and think of what it would have been like if I didn't do that and all this shit, doesn't it? 
We want to have abstinence. We don't. We want all those little libraries the head has full access to to go over the past and ruminate about a future. We want those doors to be closed. We can't do it, but something else can. Yeah. So you lose interest in this shit. So maybe your idea of the past is, hey, if it was supposed to happen, it did. If it wasn't, it didn't. There you go. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, my head would love to think about I should have been a pro boogie boarder, but I forgot about my getting run over twice by the car. Yeah. The whole base, the whole story of going off in the head had a had a had to deny a huge fact. <laughs> I got run over by a car. I don't have any balance in that leg. Oh, let's forget that. You should have been a. It's just insane, is it? And why do we? Why is there a listening to it? Because for some reason we think it's us. Yeah, or it's about us. If it was about Stanley and you were Paul, you'd shut it off in us thirty seconds. Yeah. If the story of your life presented by the head was presented as Stanley's, you wouldn't fucking get to it as an audio book. You wouldn't even listen to the second page. Yeah, you would have lost interest in it. But because it's spun as us, we're just the head just eats it up. Yeah. It's like someone I think Mickey was talking about it. Yes. To see the distinction between the glove and the hand. In this case, let's say Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Mr. Hyde is a sense of self and Dr. Jekyll is a sense of self. So there's a self trying to get out of self. Yeah. So there's the Paul before I got sober and then there's a Paul that got formulated after I got sober. I'm neither of those. Yes. I don't know what I am, but I know what I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. I may like the New York Yankees, but they're not sending me a check. Yeah. I don't play for them. <laughs> they probably never have heard of me. Yeah. So, yeah. I just like to get this point across. We're just putting out a humble diagnosis of the exact nature of the wrong. And I found freedom from the problem by seeing it wasn't me. That's what happened. Yeah, it happened in a minute. I saw that I wasn't self and then the possibility of being free from it became obvious and became available. And it told me as soon as that became available, it told me why it hadn't been available because I was identified as self trying to get out of an identified self. Yes. So finally, in my life, I, I, I identified self, but identified self as another self. Yeah. So Dr. Jekyll was trying to get out of Mr. Hyde. Yeah. All being the same. Yes. Self can't get out of self. They both go. There wasn't a Dr. Jekyll and there isn't a Mr. Hyde. As long as there's a Dr. Jekyll, the possibility of being a Mr. Hyde is available. Yeah. So you see you're neither. So when someone was sharing before. Yeah, whatever. So. 
So this just changes things. When it says this, we made decisions based on self that set off trains of circumstances, brought us misfortune. I see that as very clear, yes? Yeah. Then other parts of the book I disagree with only because there's an identification as that which has defeated us, yeah? That's all. I don't want to change anything. I just want to see it in a different light. Yeah, yeah. Why? Because it worked. This brought great relief. So here, the difference is, in the act of being identified as self, sometimes the problem will not exist for you. Like it's described on page 84. If you like that to be a new basis, you see the problem doesn't exist as you. It's different, yes? The problem not existing for you could still be the problem existing. <laughs> it's just for that moment's not existing for you. But to get the clarity that it doesn't exist as you, where you've seen the act of identification and you're not bound by it, yeah, that to me is real relief. Yeah. That's simple. And that's what we're speaking of, really. We're speaking of the problem doesn't exist as us. Even while it was existing, it wasn't existing as us. Yeah. It was on us or coupled with us or sucking us up, but it wasn't existing as Paul. I am not that. Yeah. Yeah. They say in recovery, you know, a spiritual condition. So what we recognize living is a physical condition. Yes, emotional condition, mental condition. So to make it to be something other than those, they call it a spiritual condition. So at least it says you're not, it's not the physical, the mental or the emotional, it's a spiritual condition, something different than those conditions. Because we obviously live as if we're a physical, mental, emotional condition, yeah? So they give us another name so that we can use a negation of the other three. So I, if I'm not, if I'm a spiritual condition and therefore I'm not a physical, mental, or maybe I am, but at least the spirit is first, yeah? So you always get this, uh, the emphasis changes. So instead of the emphasis on the mental condition, which is the bondage of self, the emphasis goes on to a spiritual condition, which is what? It's not of the mental condition, basically, yeah? find out what it is for you, but it's not of the mental. That's the clearest thing to know. Yet, like Einstein said, you can't seek a solution from the system that made the problem. Yeah, it just doesn't work. So, yeah. But I'm also, to get in my opinions today, I do not believe spirit has a malady. Yeah, I don't believe there's a spiritual sickness because I don't think spirit is like a mental or a physical thing. It doesn't have mental illnesses. Yeah, it's not of a mental activity. I don't think there's spiritual illness, really. Yeah, I think the spirit is pristine and untouched by all that goes on. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm falling. This is falling down. All right. Thanks. Got a lot to get off All right, my. Thank you, Paul. So that was. Oh, no, no, bring it on, please. Because <laughs> um, I was going to ask you about that portion of the second paragraph that was read about from its stem all forms of spiritual disease. But we have been not only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. And then it goes on to say that the spiritual malady, when it's overcome, we straighten out. I don't and believe. Then I remember that. hearing you talk one time. Hold yeah. on again. I have the cat. Oh, Hold on. I... Hold on. Yeah. Right. Any have any questions? Please feel free to use the face hand feature, and uh, we'll apologize. This isn't first of all, Mike. Also, we're not wanting to change the wording of the yeah. big book. Yeah. Yes. We're right. just we're just tuning no, up and no, no. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes, obviously, if all you knew Absolutely. was a mental, physical, emotional condition, you would put those qualities into what you describe as a spiritual condition. And the mental condition can get sick, the physical can get sick, the emotional condition can get sick. So let's say we have a spiritual illness. I don't believe the spirit is of a mental, physical, emotional condition. Yeah. I don't think it gets sick. I don't think it gets well either. Yeah? This okay. is just an opinion of a member. I'm not saying any, it is or it isn't. This is the opinion I have. Like we say in AA, you know, experience, strength, and hope. And maybe after 30 years of sobriety, you have opinions also. Okay. Yeah. So these are, these are opinions from observation, yeah. I've never seen us, well, whatever. I just don't think spirituality is, spirit is sick or gets, yeah. Okay. Were you ready for a question, Paul? We have Mary, she has her hand raised. Come on in, Mary. Yeah, sure, yeah. Hi there. Very, very good afternoon to you guys. Thank you, Paul. Um, it's incredible what you're doing, and I appreciate it. And I just want to make one little comment. Um, so, so basically, uh, so basically, like uh, resentment, for instance, uh, as David Bohm would say with Krishnamurti and apart from Krishnamurti, um, it's a type of field. Okay, we are a type of field. And, um, you know, uh, afflictions, as we like to call them, like resentments are a field and they exist in their own independent right. And something happens along the way where our antennas or detectors somehow absorb this energy. And yeah, uh, through trauma, you know, through the various um, acrobatics we go through to become uh, addicts. So yeah, um, that's a very, very, that's a very clever, very um, smart comment. And um, yeah, I think uh, we should bring David Bohm's um, ideas uh, about, he was, he was the one that I first heard about like selfing, you know, the actual process. Uh, he'd bring it up, like for instance, there's no paper, there's papering. And uh, I forget, there's a specific, 
name that he puts at this type of language of, of process being. And, and I think that that's wonderful as well. But my question is this, um, um, and, and really, I've, I've not really seen um, an answer to this uh, anywhere in 12 steps, and I'm, I'm, I am in program. Um, how do you, how can you frame the defects that come from something like having autism? Um, like for instance, um, many people with autism are, are addicts because we're compulsive. I mean, that's just, we're born like that and we're compulsive. So a disproportionate, like, I don't know, 50, 60, 70% of us are, have some sort of addiction of some sort and um, stuff like sensory. Okay. S sensory, just these goddamn horrific sensory issues and, and isolation. Now I know I didn't ask for this shit. <laughs> I know I didn't ask for it. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that I can't see my role in. Okay. But I didn't ask for that. And I'm struggling like hell. To, to better these symptoms, okay? So I'm not, um, I'm just not under a slave of these, of, of this bullshit. I, I really, I, I can't even begin to say how being autistic is hell. But if you could somehow frame it, it it's your wisdom. I would really love, I really love to hear your opinion on that, Paul. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, first of all, I don't know the specific question, but I don't have, I didn't have autism or the experience of autism. So I don't think I can do it justice because I haven't been in those shoes. The idea that we're speaking of about resentment and stuff is really the sense that precedes the resentment after it comes up, which is the my, yeah? The ownership of the resentment, just like the head will own what you would say that somehow you had something to do with the autism that seems to dominate this experience. Yeah. This sense of ownership of stuff we have nothing really to do with is, I feel is a large point of heaviness. So uh, I put a lot of attention on a simple word that signifies a lot, which is my M Y and if you put my in front of any word, it changes the word that comes after it. Yeah, it's it, it, it crudely captures a movement of mental meaning giving that I feel is really the depot of heavy, heavy living. Yeah. So if you can at least see by reading the big book, there's not a big leap from the paragraph we read being convinced self to the next paragraph, resentment is the number one offender. I don't see how you can get, you can lose the track that they're talking about the manifestations of self and then they speak of resentment right away. I would say resentment is a manifestation of self <laughs> or selfing. Yeah, that's, I don't think there's a big, it's not like this sentence was on page 64 and then what I'm a, uh, coupling it with his on page 98 it's right the next one so obviously you can look at what's being presented as describing manifestations some of, of something other than us 
that has defeated us through these manifestations. And one of them's resentment, fears, harm to, done to others in the pursuit of what you want. But really, how do they defeat us is the sense of owning of them, yeah? The my, the my grievance, the my resentment, the my fear. So uh, a lot of people try to do inventories on resentment and fear, but when they do them, it's preceded by my. And after they do the inventory, it's still preceded by my. So it's my resentment before I did the inventory and my resentment after I did the inventory. I think that's an important thing to stop at the border, so to speak. Yeah, don't let <laughs> my resentment get in. Yeah, so yes, I saw it as my resentment. Now I see it as resentment. It's completely different, completely. So if you really wanted to, uh, the activity that we're attempting to point out is that the transfer of a lot of meaning from whatever or wherever, I would say from the mental state into our life. Yeah, through this acting of being identified as the mental state, which is selfing. Yeah. So the first thing I would inquire of or investigate would be the bridge of my, my, yeah? And not so much on the things that come after, because a lot of people want to know whatever, you know, want to dissect resentment or whatever, but I'm, I'm really, that's not my interest. My interest is the feeling before the resentment, the sense of ownership because I feel resentments with a view. If you're looking through a lens of self-centeredness, it's got resentments are going to appear <laughs> because it's, there's a separation between me and what I'm looking at. And then in that separation, when it comes to needs and desires, there may be a built-in competition. So I'm going to feel like somebody has stopped me from getting what I wanted or whatever. Yeah. So the idea of living resentment free as that which produces resentment doesn't work to me. I just see how can we live free uh, with, with resentments, yes? Yeah, well, you can live free with resentments when they're not yours, yeah? You can graze and there'll be another species and you can cohabitate. <laughs> and then actually, then the resentment view not triggering a consequence is quite uh, valuable because it tells you, yes, a lot. It tells you that what you're relying on is a failed system that produces resentments, anxieties, and shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> While it's running the show. So, yeah, I mean, I believe if you can see that which you're relying on as a failed system, it goes a long way oh. to relief. Yeah. Well, just... yeah. And, and, and this is, this is a very, very important observation of yours because one core feature of autism, because this really relates, this really relates is what is called um, compulsive negative rumination. So, mm. A oh, core that's feature. A... Uh, yes, a core feature. I mean, it's basically almost all of us. 
we have this uh, we have this um it's through executive dysfunction it's a failed system okay so it's part of the frontal lobe not working we're, we're born like that so we tend to dwell we tend to dwell and dwell and dwell and dwell and then get our feelings hurt really bad because we're so sensitive i mean we can see things that and detect things that other people cannot detect and so we take things so personally it's very 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 common in the, in this group and as a result a lot of us are addicts because this is so painful that um you know i i wasn't i wasn't out in the street raising hell you know with my addiction i was like in a fetal position numbing myself out because you know i, I wasn't actually go, going so this is it's this interesting dialogue with you yes this is a failed system it's because something's glitchy in the frontal lobe and it's just good to uh, observe it observe it as a field or process and try not to let the fields of resentment and fear and all that other shit that takes us down grab hold Try well, that's a way, in a way, the spirit of AA would just to admit you're outmatched. Yes. So yeah, exactly. you, can, exactly. yeah. you can protect uh, the system. You have to, you have to find another source. Yeah. Which yeah. in our view is the idea of a higher power or yeah. let's yeah. say that which is before the autism, autism right where you are, you know, that which is before thought, that which is what they would call spirit, yes? Because I would say spirit is the basis of everything else. It's not an attribute of a physical condition, it's the basis of everything. So Correct. that's the reliance that we, uh, that's made available and is the guiding light of recovery in, for, the 12 steps world is that is to to admit that I'm outmatched really instead of trying to keep you know just admit I can't fucking do it and then something does it yeah 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 thank you I appreciate it yeah Beautiful. you're welcome yeah thank you yes very much come back Mary if you like yep. thank anyone you, else Next up, we have Annette. Oh, Annette. Yes, Annette has a question. Sorry, I'm trying to get my video to go on. There we go. Uh, so I'm trying to figure out, okay, so uh, Mary makes some interesting comments and the definition of addiction involves compulsive behavior and as a person who's interested in improving my own executive function um I, i've learned a lot and read a lot i don't think i have autism although that was implied to me during rehab but what i do have is uh you know uh i i get great comfort in my routines when they're functional and I am just starting to see uh, the value of good versus bad physical routines, uh, mental routines, etc. And <clears throat> sometimes in the rooms, people say things that are 
very hurtful. And one thing people with autism and ADHD share is emotional sensitivity at times. Then there's also this whole issue of some, uh, I don't know where it is, if it's even in the big book, but that they talk about feeling like something was different from a very young age. And I think uh, that statement is used to capture neurodivergent people into addiction programs. And what most of them do is use a, a substance because they're self-medicating. So I don't know, I have a lot of other opinions about that, but how do you, my question is, how do you, when you see someone just manifesting their self and being really kind of rude or insulting or sexist or marginalizing to someone, what do you say in a meeting to that? Because I am really, I have been repeatedly offended by members of my home group who are just regular guys having fun. They're supporting each other, laughing in a very neurotypical way, which to me is like being uh, 11 years old and laughing at the guy making the dumbest joke in the room. And it's one thing to laugh at yourself, but what if you're what if you're insulting someone else or marginalizing them when you're when that person's making their joke? They're victimizing someone. Well, again, their manifestation of self. Well, again, my uh, observation around some of that, it's very good to have a sponsor that you can speak to. Yeah. And then maybe. Yeah. You're speaking to some of the people, not in the at the meeting, but after it or something. Yeah, that can happen. Uh, yes, I really feel the value of when this kind of stuff comes up in the community is to speak to a sponsor or someone you trust, and then um, and again, everything. I never have a road answer to things, you know. I just usually stay in the condition that I'm outmatched and then something works out. <laughs> so, I've, you know, sometimes I'll say something, sometimes I won't, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know, I guess for, for this action figure, I'm struggling to process these connections because I see them now where I didn't see them before. It's so yeah. obvious yeah yes well that's more and more that's going to happen probably but hey remember you know aa's uh an incredible it's a perfect program but with people in it you know <laughs> that's you know that's that's it's down no, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think these people mean to hurt other people's feelings it's just a habit that is so ingrained a yeah, habit yeah. of the self and, you're in the East Coast, right? Yeah. Yeah, the East Coast has a lot of that too. It's a certain sense of humor, usually at the expense of others. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It's like but a, I don't know, hon, I would again, if I had someone I would was working with there and pro and maybe someone who goes to the same meetings, I would speak to them and yeah, maybe one sponsor can speak to other another sponsor about their sponsees. Yeah. 
That's how it sometimes works. Yeah, but thank you, yeah. All right, thank you so much for that. Um, next we have Kate. Kate, you have a question for Paul today or a comment? Yeah, thanks. Um, hi, Paul. Hey. Um, yeah, I have a question. Can you talk a little more about what you were saying? Because I believe what you're saying is true. Like when you said there's nothing wrong with the spirit. Because when I was talking to someone about 20, 25 years ago, I said to them, I said, um, you know, I'm really messed up. And he said to me, he said, I don't see that. He said, there is absolutely nothing wrong with your spirit. Yes, you have some problems, but there's nothing wrong with your spirit. And yeah. I could hear that, but I still don't really get it. And then I guess my question, Paul, is about that. And then what do you think then it means in the big book when it says, you know, resentment's the number one offender, it destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it stem all forms of spiritual disease. So it's saying that my spirit is ill at ease or diseased for we have not only been mentally and physically ill we have been spiritually sick so what are they yeah. saying in contrast to what you're saying can you explain that well i don't know what they were saying okay i don't i mean they would you'd have to ask them whoever they were who was writing it but how i interpret that is it was just a deeper level of a mental condition yeah, not the surface okay. chatting and everything, but a different a condition of a mental, a different level of the mental condition that can actually have a sense of well-being or irritable, restless, and discontent. So I would think that was the agitation. It was deeper than thoughts and the chatter, you know, your, how you're going about now, but an underlying malaise, yes? It's like in Buddhism, they would call it dukkha, a, a vague suffering or a dissatisfaction, yeah? Remember, the mental state is agitated already, and it, it, its agitation is almost like it's high, you know, low tide and high tide is hate and desire, you know? It desires things and, and hates things, yes? So it's moving away from things, trying to, and moving towards things, trying to. And there's a lot of failures and, and uh, halfway successes. So it's irritated. Yeah. I don't think it's the spirit at all. So it's sort of like if a weather front came in and there was a lot of movement and there was thunder and shit like that, that's not the sky. Yeah. That's a weather front that moved into the sky. Yeah. The weather front doesn't stay there for 30 years. It, it dissipates and there's the sky again. And then other weather fronts, maybe sunny, maybe humid, whatever. All this shit happens about, but the sky is exactly the same. It's just open, spacious and available there. Yeah, so things appear in it, but what appears in it doesn't really represent its nature. Its nature is to be open and accommodating allowing a lot of shit to appear in it yes i would say that's sort of like uh an interpretation of what i feel spirit is like that yes 
So I don't believe the spiritual condition changes. I believe what appears in it can change, which is the mental and all this other shit. Yeah. So that's my feeling about it. I think there's an absolute state that's not a state. I think it's that which we were before we were born and will be after we die. Yeah. I don't think it's a broken a sporadic continuum. I think it's whatever, eternal, forever. It's not of time. Yeah. I would say way you can say it here is awareness. Yes. Like a an onness or a, a just bright onness. So to me, that's what I feel a spirit is or spirit is. Yes. And more importantly, because I can learn what it ain't, yeah, I can know what it isn't. So the way I get a sense of spirit isn't, well, it is through that feeling that, but it has a lot to do with seeing what I'm not, yeah. Yeah, so I do not believe uh, I'm a lot of things. I don't believe I'm a mental condition, a physical condition, an emotional condition. I don't. They always change constantly. Yeah. I uh, I have a belief I'm that which has never changed is never kind. I can't know it's here because it never came. Yeah. It's always been here. Yeah. It's sort of like the fish in water. The fish has probably no idea of water because it's in it completely immersed in it all the time until it gets caught and then it's flipping out on the deck of the boat. Yeah, I feel that sort of like that. So I feel a lot of things people do are trying to get a certain a mel, a, a mental balance or a wellness, yes. Uh, a physical wellness and emotional wellness because that goes with the experience yeah if i'm feeling better if i'm not sick the day seems brighter yes so that can affect the experience but what's before experience what is what is being is not an experience being is being yeah and uh so i have my own i, I have those are uh bad stick fingered drawings of my my uh feeling of it today yeah so so you're saying what you think they may be talking about with spiritual diseases really just a um heightened condition of the mental and that i would say it's now a more base condition of the mental the, the emotion and the physical like a vague malaise or a discomfort that maybe you didn't have when you were a kid, but when the brain developed, you started to, you know, the, like the underlying irritability, restlessness, and discontent that drives an alcoholic that you can't really put your finger on, but it affects everything. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's, I feel that, just like, you know, in a weird way, when you read the Old Testament of the Bible, which I don't, but when I listen, when I've heard it, God sounds like the head to me. Yeah. I'm a jealous God. I will not 
put up with any of God put before me. It sounds like my head. I think they were listening to the head thinking it was God or something. I swear to God, it's scary. I'm going to smote you and you got to sacrifice and prove your love. It sounds like the head. Yeah. So I, I feel, uh, yeah, I feel more has been revealed. Uh, and uh, I think a lot of time, you know, they gave it a name. I don't think, I think it was just a deeper, uh, maybe more of the unconscious mental activity. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I just don't believe spirit gets sick. I don't think it's like a body. I don't. I don't think, see, if we, if the only way we can know something is from what we know, yeah, and while what we know is a physical, emotional, you know, mental, we're going to see, we're going to, the only way we can see the spirit is in those terms. And I don't think it has, it's not in those terms, yeah. It's not like the mental state can have illness, but I don't see the spirit having illness. Yeah. Mental states, emotional maladies. Yes. But I don't think the spirit has maladies. Yeah, I don't. It's just an opinion. It doesn't matter really. But uh, I think this is what said in, you know, the vision for us, we know, but a little and more is going to be revealed. I think there may be, uh, you know, more is being revealed. So, yeah. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this isn't like, you know, the big book isn't like swearing on a Bible. You know, you don't take everything at face value. Yeah, they were just like us, make mistakes. We had blind sides. We don't know what was going on. Yeah. And I believe really the big book was a download with sometimes a little, a little uh, parts of us in there, <laughs> but a, a, a real download, I feel. And a solution was, was brought here finally concerning addiction. Yeah, 1935, it was a major, it was like a comet in like astrology you know a comet broke through the mental atmosphere and there was a solution (laughs) yeah they found a solution to an unsolvable situation at that time alcoholism you know people most people did not get well they were up in cellars or in in, i mean down in cellars or attics or that's just uncle joe or in jail or hospitals yes and even i remember in a one of the churches we used to give, we used to have meetings at, they had one of those big Bibles and uh, they had a place where someone stood and read. And I looked at it this one night when we were going to the room and it was open to a Psalm. And in that Psalm, they were bitching about winos. Mm-hmm. Even back then, they had no idea what, how to fucking deal with winos. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, yeah. So, this is a, a solution and it's large enough to be added to. Yeah, it's not like, uh, it's not an uh, arthritic, rigid, dogmatic solution, is it? No. Look at what, a hundred different, I mean, how many different groups use the 12 steps? I mean, it's very, it wasn't uh, like a steel rubber band. It has a lot of give, 
it opens up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I feel about it with the spirit stuff. Yeah. Thank you. Your analogy of the sky and the clouds is a really good one. Yeah. Thank well, you. that's the thing. See, if all we know are the clouds and the weather fronts, yeah, they're being brought about because of the sky, but we don't see it. Yeah. Until you do. It's just sort of the same thing. You know, when you're so focused, you missed a larger panoramic view. Yeah, so self-centeredness is a very focusing, uh, very myopic uh, window to look out of. Yeah, yeah. To, 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 to authenticate itself, everything has to seem small in a way, other than the window, which is seen to be big, yeah. Self-centeredness is uh, is a pair of glasses uh, in search of a new pair of glasses, really, as Chuck C would say. <laughs> because it, you're just not seeing well. <laughs> yeah, and through self-centeredness. You see everything as how it pertains to you. I mean, that's a... That's a that's a quite a bias uh, interpretation right there, completely. Yeah. Yeah, it's, the point is, is, yeah. Like Mary said, yeah, the, the idea of recognizing something that you called you as a failed system can be helpful. It worked with me. Yeah. It did. I, I'm a true believer that the diagnosis of fear is that it's a core is an effect of self-reliance. Like he says in the big book, he says, why do you have so much fear today? Isn't it because self-reliance has failed you? So most people think fear is a cause of a lot of shit, which it seems to be. But what's causing the fear is self-reliance. That's an incredible diagnosis right in our big book. Incredible, literally. Most people never even get close to that. They don't. They're just dealing with fear and trying get picking up a lot of skillful means to lessen the blow and shit. Or this is about if you see the root of it, you'll get relief from the effect. Yeah. So if you see the root is self-reliance and you realize it's a failed system, I'm telling you, you're gonna outgrow fear because the fear grows in the Petri dish of self-reliance or anxiety, I'd say mostly not fear. Yeah, so, you know, there's solutions and then there's solutions, yeah. Some solutions half-ass work a little and then they usually erode it over time and they demand more work. And then there's a solution which really is, uh, Like I got struck sober, yeah, really. Just a day at the office, regular day at the alcoholic office. Just came out of a blackout. Shit, something happened. Put it, stopped my head. And then uh, like a public announcement, instead of the screen, just false evidence appearing real about Paul, a public announcement overtook the screen and the announcement was, you're fucked. Yeah, and then the second announcement was, and you're not managerial quality. And then life conspired to bring me to my first meeting that night. And I've been sober ever since. And I swear, 
I have never had a strong urge or feeling or thought about drinking or using for 34 years. I would know it because they would have been so sporadic and so unusual. I would have remembered. I haven't had one. I may have one today, but I haven't. 34 years. That to me fits into the solution to me. That's a solution. It pale, all the other quote unquote solutions pale incredibly to that solution. And especially because it was about an incredibly powerful problem, my act of addiction. I mean, it, I was tattooed by that addiction. I went to places, jails and rehabs based on that condition. For that to be changed was incredible, revelatory. Blew my whole mind out. Yeah, over time. Yeah. And I really, really knew that something had done for me what I couldn't do for myself. It was just completely end of story, being convinced, surrendered. Yeah. Now, the only other solution in a way that I found in that same ballpark was the solution. So here I have recovery now, or it has me was this idea of non-duality, which was a recognition that all that I called me were activities that are not of me, yes? It, it, it brought an illumination to the first solution. It brought a, a deeper illumination to the first solution about before there was a need for solution, really, which is totally mind-boggling. So then my searching for new or better solutions stopped years ago. And this idea of non-duality became the last answer concerning that topic, which is a fucking great answer because it took away all need for any other answers. It just put everything to rest, just like sobriety put to rest that radioactive isotope of urge, yeah? to get out, to get out, to, to escape, to take something. Yeah, so I've had a one-two punch of solutions in this life that most of the shit that's peddled as a solution I see as totally bogus, really. I do, yeah. So it'd be great if we could initiate these solutions, but I think that you just, uh, they either happen or not. You want to call it the great mystery of grace, but I feel grace is readily available and uh, you never know, but you will know after, but you never know, but you will know when it hits you. Yeah, so. Yeah. I mean, if I had that urge, I probably would have went back out. Probably, I never had. I didn't. I didn't say any no to urges. You know, I was completely defeated. I just and I moved at the reaction to the head. Every every move was based on listening to the head, everyone, and for that to be stopped, the head could never even imagined it. Really. Yeah, because all of its imaginings, it's included. So it can't imagine its absence. That's for you and I to find out. Yeah. 
because it can't imagine it. It cannot do it justice. <laughs> it cannot. Yeah. And it may look super ordinary from its point of view, but it's awesome. Because to be free on a day at a time from that fucking bondage of self is uh, is a most humbling gift. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, thank you. I think we started with Kate and I just went off somewhere. <laughs> yes. All right. Anyone else? Yeah. Thank you. We have one more question from Bruce. Uh, Bruce, yes. Yeah, we have one more question from Bruce. Yeah, all right. All right. Hi, everyone. Bruce. Uh, yeah, Paul. Thank you for the last few minutes. Uh, yeah, what I picked up right away in the beginning, I felt like uh, the AA, well, or the 12 steps would, would kind of put it in the hands of the police, the thief, you know, the, the thief into the hands of the police. And, the, and I used to read the 12 steps in the beginning of the meeting a lot and em tried to emphasize exact nature, but, you know, of course, seemed to seemed to pass over everyone's head. And then uh, even going into non-duality for quite some time and then quite adept, it's still, every time I, I, I hear someone say, it's I, the identity as I, you know, yeah, sure, there's I am, but then there's always I am what? I am something, I am something, I am this or I am that. And it, and it isn't that. And even identifying as a spirit, boy, that, that took a long time. And then, you know, after listening to ones like you for a while, you know, um, recognizing that even the identity as I or me, you know, I'm not my hand either. That's in the glove. And it's very touching that you, you put that. You had it, and so just finally, you know, I may be off base here. You know, addiction to me is adding diction. Whenever I adds something to I am, other than you know the being, it's addiction. So you've added addiction. It's an addiction, and the autism, I would feel is like how how I feel inside when I'm I feel directed or tried to be forced in any direction at all, other than to have just total freedom in a sense as a person or an individual, you know, trying to survive, you know. Anyway, I don't know what you feel about that kind of adding diction to anything. Yes, that's a good one, yes. Well, yeah, the language is, uh... It's a built-in uh, transsetter, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. You know, to me the subject is an object, like you say, it becomes a it's a noun, and you, you know. Yeah, yeah these so things I, are I, all. I, I was so vulnerable to that policeman. Yeah. Yes. Well, all the words only. Are, play a role as a substitute to a real sense and feeling the sense and feeling then when you hear the words it's like uh like 
remembering a hymnal being sung in a big cathedral, but the words aren't it. It's that sense and that feeling of, uh, of I am, let's say. Yeah, I mean, if I'm flying, if we're in a plane flying under the clouds, yeah, we're subject to the weather above the clouds, not subject to the weather, but still the view as, a, as an individual apart or separate from the sky. Yes. Just a little weird, rather than seeing things from the sky's point of view. But they can, but you're always seeing from the sky's point of view, and the art of this place is seeing it from a, another point of view. That can be a, a piece of art. It takes about 80 years for it to, and there's no combination. It's more like the, uh, it's like a mural that never gets finished, yes? Yeah, so to wake up. I don't see any room. problem with, uh, yeah. I feel you're more of an individual when you're not one, really. So, yeah, yeah. So that pre yeah, before birth and after death, as you referred to. That's it's all I know. like one of those planes that puts out the the thing that leaves us a sign, you know, in the sky. <laughs> it says vote for Bill or something. <laughs> that's sort of that's sort of what our life is like. So <laughs> we're uh, we're we're formed by the exhaust. Yeah, <laughs> I like. I mean, this isn't about. Uh, I think it's more, it's very inclusionary, not exclusive. So the absolute doesn't uh, exclude the temporary. The temporary wants to, to declare it's the absolute. So therefore it has to, in a way, deny the absolute. That's the dilemma. But the absolute has no problem with the temporary. <laughs> and then I even take the absolute as a concept, you know, yeah. you know, and then it's... <laughs> But that's where you, you know I don't even know what that's about. Yeah. Thank you so, very much. You know, without yeah. without this you know added addiction. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Addiction is what that's uh, words, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah, add words. You add words to I am, and then the first word is Paul. I am Paul. Yeah, yeah exactly. And you already yeah. identified. Yeah. But yeah, this has been a nice meeting. Thank you for everyone. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. I think everyone's been a nice meeting. It's, it's everyone for a couple of years now. It's funny. <laughs> but this has been a nice meeting, yes. So, all right, Mike, are we going to finish? Say goodbye? Yes, Bob, that's it. That's all we have for today. Thank you very much. All right, let's, uh, Michael, again, thank you for all the service. Fantastic. Walter, decide, avocado or mayo. All right, Tommy, <laughs> we got a new, there she is. Well, I'm gonna be seeing some people in Italy soon. That would be nice, eh? We got uh, Gary, Gary's, uh, yeah, nice to see you, Gary. Stefan, as always, Joseph, he's back. He's, he's, back, he's, got the, he's back in his room now. Nice to see you, Joseph. We got Hallie S, yes. Kurt, always. 
Kurtz has, they having a big thing down there this uh, Labor Day, right? With the Fellowship of the Spirit. Yeah, yeah, little retreat. Yeah, that place they have it has a lot of blood on the statues. <laughs> Every corner you take, there'd be a giant Jesus statue with lots of blood. <laughs> that was pretty intense. <laughs> All right. We got a self-aholic. There he is. Nice to see hey, you. Paul. He's a musician. Nice to see you. <laughs> Cheers. We got Chris. Always a pleasure, Chris. Yes. We got Kerry. Kerry from Hawaii. Yeah. We got oh, Kerry will be in Italy too. Wow. We got Gail from the Pink Cloud. There she is. Jeffrey driving. Don't look down. Yes. Mickey, the matriarch of Madeira. Roman. I'm going to be seeing Roman again. That's going to be, I'm looking forward to all that. Deborah, there she is. We've got Jacob and Alex. Nice to see you guys. Thank you, everyone, from you guys. We got Al from Vegas. Yep. We got Oliver from Berlin. Nice to see you. Annette from, I know I met, I had a, I sat at a nice dinner table with Annette down there in Pennsylvania. We've got, uh, let's see, Christine. We got Senna, Lucas, Bruce. I think that's about it. And uh, I think I covered everyone. Hey, thanks. Uh, see you guys. We'll be, we have a talk today at 4.30 Western time, Pacific time. If you want to join us, it's on the website. And then uh, we're going to put up a new schedule when we're away. It'll be, I don't know. I have to figure it out maybe today. Okay, but we'll see you guys tomorrow and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. All right, see you. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Thank you everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. -bye.